Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. You're live. Do you see it, Paul? Uh, not yet. Okay, everyone, we're just getting it up. Trying to go back to the page and, and yeah, go to we're it. Live now. Okay, we're live. Uh, thanks, uh, everyone, and welcome to episode number five on Inside the Junior Rain. I'll keep this up. We don't have our lovely assistant today behind <laughs> the camera, so we got to make sure that everything is uh, being fed properly here so I'm just going to have it up in case we so we can see any questions and comments people type in and also make sure the feed's working. Uh, my name is Ben Frank, I'm the Junior Rain Club President. I have here with me as always uh, Paul Esdale, our Chief of Hockey Operations. And um, again, while you're watching, if you could please give us a thumbs up, a like, let us know you're watching, say hello to us, we'll go into the comments, we'll acknowledge you right on the show. But again, whether you're watching live or on the replay, because a lot of our viewers will, will watch on the replay, because you know Monday at 2 p.m. people are working in school and things. So let us know your comments or your questions. Let us know you're watching, and we'll be sure to answer them either on one of our shows or in the comments section. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, you think you might have some other people that like uh, what we're talking about, we uh, really appreciate you sharing the episodes as well because uh, this is what we love to do. We love to talk about uh, talk about the things that we that we do every day. So uh, today we're going to be talking about practice, like uh, part two, last week we did have some technical difficulties, but we had a great conversation around practice, the importance of practice, and it can often be lost uh, when talking about hockey, because obviously there's a focus, there's an excitement around the games, and about winning and losing games, and playing in the games, but the core of what we do as Youth Hockey Club really comes down to the practices, working with the kids, seeing the growth, seeing the development, and it's, we also talked about it's you know, three days a week compared to one on the games, it's our most chance for interaction with the kids and the families, and it's our biggest place where we can make a difference. So we talked about, I asked Paul a lot of questions. Paul is he's our chief of hockey operations. He's the one on the ground with the kids every single day, designing the practices, working with our coaches, building, building the curriculum for our program, and I asked Paul a lot of questions about some of the things that go into designing the great practices and the importance of practice, and I just touched on that, and how we, how, where the kids actually get better, and it's actually the emphasis of the majority of the season for, for most of the, for, for all of the kids. Uh, it's, 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 so it needs to be our biggest emphasis and it's the place where we can make the biggest difference. Um, we talked about, Paul, Paul talked to us about the importance of practice being fun. So kids wanting to come to the ring, come to practice. We talked about the practices being age appropriate. So the differences of practices for an eight year old and a 14 year old, or even between a 10 year old and a 12 year old. We talked about practices being relatable, not just doing things because that's the way they've been done, but doing things because uh, it's going to help them become better hockey players. And we talked about the coach planning and connection with the players and how to actually coach to connect with the kids during practice um, and to have them active and getting better while the coach is working with them, not being authoritarian, just kind of controlling things and making it uh, adult-centered practice, making it really an athlete player-centered practice. So let's start there, sure. Paul. And what I'd like to do today is dig into some, some more specifics so you can really help our viewers help get an idea of, you know, not just big picture stuff, but really some, some of the specifics of how, how this is done and what the most important things are to focus on and, 
the Sun Devil Dive. So first, before diving into the questions, anything you wanted to add to recap there? Yeah, I think we, we talked on it last week about um, the science behind actual learning. And yeah. I think knowing the windows of trainability, um, USA Hockey's done a great job with their skill progression book that we based our curriculum off of. And understanding that and knowing that is really critical for success and player development for pit kids to reach their genetic potential, as we talk about. So, if, like I said, if we're, we're not doing the right things at the certain age groups, then we're, they're going to be missing out in those windows. And it, it's almost impossible to get those back. So, if we're training eight year olds, like 18 year olds, and working on, you know, two on two four check systems and, and full ice four checking and defensive zone systems. They're going to miss out on all of the still skill development and those on those on those windows of trainability, and and that's critical knowing those, and that's why we based our curriculum off the American Development Model and the Skill Progression Book. And what can they get one of those? those so that's the, the thing that amazes me is how few people, even even hockey coaches, and Nick's Paul going to grab one right now, <laughs> even know about some windows of trainability. Um, so these books are free, right? Yeah. We can, we have them. At, ask if you're a junior rain parent or even someone else. Uh, Another hockey parent, uh, in-house or another club, ask one of our staff for the, one of these books. We, we, USA Hockey sends them to us for free. We hand them up to parents. It goes through each age group, the science of each age group, windows of trainability that those that, that age group is open to learning and developing at that particular age group. And that's what we want to build our practices and our training based on to get the maximum amount of results. The amount of people that maybe don't even realize that these resources are here. I mean, it's not a secret, right? It's all out there. And it's also, you can download it on the, on the USA Hockey website and admkids.com. Why don't you maybe give some specific examples, Paul, of, of some of those things? Sure, yeah. So they go over the categories or the focus points. Um, they talk about the station-based practices, age-appropriate training, the actual practice focus percentage-wise broken down. Then they talk, obviously, about the windows of trainability. And then player knowledge, which is an interesting one and a good one. And that's eight, it's all age-specific. So they go through from 8 and under all the way to 18 and under. Every age group in this uh, 70... 65 page book and it's all it's short compact but it's you know about six seven pages per age group and it covers everything and it's neat and it talks about diet and training all the stuff as they get older um the mental side of things even at the older ages and it really it really hones in on hitting those right things and i think uh, to start we start with eight and unders they talk about the wind the, the certain windows that are important right that's the speed one window and the suppleness, what we call suppleness. So suppleness is flexibility, that athletic ability, understanding your physical body at that age, right? So that's why a lot of the off-ice is jumping and tag and, and different body movements, getting familiar with that. And then with the speed one is those uh, short change of direction, burst speed. So it's not long, full-ice skating, working on stamina at eight years old. It's change direction, it's quickness, it's, it's those things. So those are those are things that are really important and yeah. that's why you have to base and like we talked about last time about changing the size of the rink depending on the age group and, and actually making sure we're hitting these windows in these drills and i think a lot of people don't realize the thought that needs to go into planning their practice like for us to get talked about also last week at this age we have two or three practices a week uh, on hours a week on the ice we, we do a couple hours of off ice training as well but that's all we get with the kids and when they we we know we want these kids to be able to achieve their goals in hockey, whatever that may be. Maybe they dream of the NHL, they dream of college, junior hockey, those things. And again, we don't know at the young ages who's going to be the ones that decide to put the effort and work in to take to take to take that dream and, and to really go for it. But we want to be is we don't want to be the reason why a kid doesn't have the chance to pursue that dream because they weren't doing the right things in developing. And we know that hockey is a specialty sport. They can't go home and practice for hours and hours. They could do certain things at home. 
but we only get them on the ice for a few hours a week. It's not, it's not cheap to come out and play on the ice and, and, and get that training. So we want to maximize and get everything we can out of it. So to not understand the science and the windows of training, but of what a player needs most at that moment, knowing that they're never going to be an eight-year-old again. They're never going to be a 10-year-old again. So we're going to miss that window if we don't maximize every, every last drop out of it to get them the best they can so we can set them up to, to, to pursue and achieve any dream that they want. Um, to not know that science, it's really we, it's irresponsible on a, on a coach's part or on, on our programming part to, to be doing things that aren't even relatable at that age group. Yeah, and that's, and that's actually why the American Vote model was launched. It was launched as and is an elite training program. And it started from the top up, which you, we've talked about and talked with Ken about, is that they were finding at the highest levels, they were getting very average players that didn't really understand the game. So they might have had certain skill sets, but then they were missing the hockey sense. So there, there, was, a, there was a disconnect, right? So then they, they had to look back at, well, what's happening at the grassroots? Are they learning the right skill sets at the right time? And then and they realized that we weren't doing that. Yeah. We're, we're training uh, systems when it all costs at 9, 10 years old. And we're not taking advantage of the window of trainabilities. And, the, and, and we know from 9 to 12 years old is the golden age of skill development. So that's all skill acquisition time. So shooting, stick handling, passing, all those things, skating. If we're, if we're, not, if we're not getting the most out of each practice and get, attaining those skills, and we're working on full team uh, breakouts and systems, um, we're going to be missing out on that time to acquire those skills. And then down the road as they get older, they're not going to be able to execute those systems you want to do. And it's going to learn, it's not going to lead to any success at all. So that's what's happening. It was happening. And that's the reason why the American development model was formed. And I think, I think that that needs to be continually reiterated because a lot of people I think don't realize what the American development model, they were realizing this at the national team development program, the highest levels of youth hockey going into junior and college hockey, national team hockey that there is, and they were realizing they were running out of time with yeah. players. So they have the best players in the country here at the national training center, but the USA Hockey's goal is not just to be the best, have the best American players, it's to have the best players in the world. And they were, their players were behind in certain skills and, and things that they couldn't catch them up on. So they have them there, the national team development, they live, at the, they live there, <laughs> they have them on the ice every day, but they didn't have enough time to, to go back and reteach some of the things and the systems that those windows were now gone. And they could, you could still get better a little bit, but they still also need to get better at the things that are important at that age group and that level. So they didn't have enough time to go back and fix those things that they missed out as youth. And so they know they needed to fix the system from the bottom because the players, when they were getting to the top, they were missing things. And one of the biggest, the reason, the biggest reason, maybe two things, knowledge, maybe not people not knowing how different kids are from the adults and what they need at those training levels. But also, you alluded to it, focusing on, we got to win this weekend, so we need to work on our power play, or we need to work on our breakout, or we need to work on the positions or whatever, the, the line combinations or whatever. And so that you're, you're focused on that weekend, but you're missing now the long-term growth of that player. Right, and you, can't, you can have both, but you got to do it the right way. And I think that's what we've learned over the last couple of years of developing the curriculum that, hey, there's nothing wrong with working on breakouts. Right. But how do you work on those breakouts? Yeah. And with what age group, you know what I mean? And how do you use, utilize the ice? How do you utilize the other players that aren't involved? So that's, some of the, that's the learning process, of, and that's why the curriculum is so important. Because I've seen you know, a lot of people run at 1,200 work on breakouts, which is fine, but there's five guys going, and then there's 15 guys standing on the side. Yeah. And that's not maximizing not your ice, right? So they're not getting the right repetitions. So you, you have to balance it out. You have to understand the work-to-rest ratios. 
And that's why we talked about the activity tracker, how important activity puck touches is in those, in those certain drills. And that's when we start to talk about what do we, when we look at specific drills, right? What are we looking to get out of a drill, right? And we talk about the kind of the four or five keys to a complete player. And this is what we talked about when we're recruiting players at the highest levels is, you know, can they skate? Number one, skating is critical. Watch the NHL, watch the highest level of hockey. The speed of the game is phenomenal, right? Can they think the game? So that's hockey sense. Do they understand the game, right? Um, the, the, the next one is how do, how do they compete? You know, how hard do they compete? How do they battle? And then puck skills, right? So that's skating, shooting, uh, passing, all those things. Those are in the golden age of skill development. And then that fifth one, that's there's some on ice part of it, and there's a lot of off ice part of it is, is that life skills, you know, the mental kind of toughness kind of stuff that we do some classroom work with to work on that. So when we're looking at drills and creating drills for the curriculum uh, for now and for the future, you know, how many of those drills can we get multiple um, of those skill sets and those keys in there? You know, if it's just one, maybe that's okay, um, but can we get three or four in there? And how does that look? And that, that makes it a, a more whole drill and develops a kid faster that way. So those are some things we talk about and think about. And I want to get you to give an example, a couple things like that, and a specific example of how, how you do this. So there's a key point here that this is going to, the example is going to address, I think, is this is where some things can get lost sometimes. Practice needs to be relatable to a game, meaning mm -hmm. that the skills learned in practice need to be able to, need to be game applicable, means that they can be used in the game. But... That doesn't mean practice should look like a game. Yeah. Practice is actually going to look very different from a game, and here's why. We know there's not enough development going on in the game. There's 15 players on a team, maybe there's less than some of the younger age groups, there's only five on the ice at a time, there's one puck, the whole sheet of ice. The, the, the statistics on game repetitions and puck touches are, are, are out there now very clearly. You maybe get a minute of puck on your stick, the top players, a minute to two minutes of the puck on your stick. Maximum, you're going to skate half of the time, and a lot of times you're not even going to be skating, no, sorry, a third of the time, most of the time. So you might get 20 minutes of skating in, in, a, in a game, if, if that, uh, and, and not all focused. Focus so, so we know that, because if, if, if we just wanted to be, if we just wanted to practice to, to, to be applicable to a game, why not just play games all the time? Right. Well, that's the reason, right? Games don't give you, so practices we want to find a creative way to squeeze mm -hmm. out as much as we possibly can in our practice. Right. So how do we do that? We take the game and we make it all these smaller parts of increased repetitions and we speed it up and so things are happening more and more faster that we're going to relate to that game. And that's why though, if the practice is done really well, it actually might look completely not like a game, yeah. uh, like a, like some of the drills we're going to talk about in a minute here, sure. which maybe sometimes is confusing for people because a way to practice a breakout for the, for, for the for the average person to just look at it and say they're working on the breakout may just look like a game where you just put five guys, five players go back, break the puck out just like they would in the game, sure. whereas a way to really work on the breakout in a way that's going to maximize the development and practice for all the kids out there may look very different, right? And that's where, that's where practice, being creative, finding those ways to do it becomes a skill. Yeah, no, and that's totally right. I think the some I want to do some obvious examples first. I think yeah. it's to start with eight and under is the easiest. Yeah, and we and we can build our way up uh, throughout the throughout the season. But for example, if we're working on skating, as we know, skating is very important, especially at the eight and under level and all as they grow, right? So there's if we compare two drills, we could do which we've seen a lot in the old, older school uh, practices or even clinics or hockey schools where they make five lines on the goal line and then the kids skate all the way down and all the way back, or they stop on the red line, and they do different skating skills, the whole way back turns and forth, or stops or turns back and forth. Okay, so they're working on skating, 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're working on long stride skating, which is the science proves that it's not right, uh, right window at the eight and under level. Mm -hmm. As they get older in the 13, 14 uh, age group, that's when they start to work on the stamina and the long stride. Um, so that's not, that's going against the science, but also they're not, um, if you look at that drill, right, it's one, one aspect and you know, let me, let's ask those questions again. Is it fun? Right. Mm -hmm. Does it relate? Right. Um, you know what I mean? Is, 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 is it age appropriate? Yeah. You know, so we're missing out on those things, right? So for one, I know it's not fun. Seven, eight year olds standing in line, uh, and then just skating the length of the ice, very little coach interaction, probably even if there is coach interaction, you know, what are they saying again? longer stride or whatever it is and you know at that age or how much are they retaining of that right or the technical aspect of that right then um compared to for example a, a skating drill called freeze tag right so it's it's just like tag off the ice in the playground but think about the freeze tag so one guy's it or the coach is it and there's seven or eight guys in a smaller area so they're working on skating forwards backwards eluding someone to tag them so they're working on short bursts change the direction to speed one which is speed one right they're working on the suppleness right because they got to move their body contort their body and and avoid the tags so they're having fun right and it obviously it, it follows the science behind it and it's relatable because it is skating and it is it is someone's on you so you're you're skating you're thinking you're competing yeah. so now so we got three out of the four and one life, in life, one drill life, potentially life skills if you're dealing with Women's winning and losing yeah. and frustration and yeah. kids bumped into you and you're mad now and you got to respond and all these things, right? Or you're it for you can't catch the guy. And, and the beauty of something just simple as freeze tag is that you can add progressions and you can manipulate so different people are it, right? Or now you have to pivot so one side's forwards, one side's backwards. There's all these progressions. Skate backwards do. the whole time. All these progressions you can do. You can so work on teamwork around the player to free them up. Or, yeah, you can work on teamwork, link arms, all these things that are more than just skating the length of the ice. So if you think about that and break it down, like if you think about that example, it really, for me, it really clarifies why certain things like that are way more appropriate. Uh, and, and you get the most out of that station and that practice. And I think a lot of people probably have no idea maybe how deep this goes, right? Like they, they, and I've been there. So I, when I first started coaching things, I did the line skating. I, did, yeah. I mean, I've done this stuff. Yeah, me too. I've done this stuff as a coach and as a player. Yeah. Um, and the line skating as a coach, you can be very organized. It can look very planned out, and you're working very specific of what you're working on. And to a parent's perspective or, or an outside perspective, it can look like the coach knows what they're doing and, and, and maybe the coach is demonstrating some of the skating drills and they, they can do it very well because I played college hockey or we have guys who play pro hockey and they're demonstrating they look, they look good so they show up to the player. That's fine, they're working on skating. But uh, especially like you said, at the younger levels, USA Hockey talks about it a lot, right? What, what is, we're talking about kids getting a passion for hockey so that they can love hockey and they become the best that they want it, can be because they gotta be their journey, they gotta fall in love with it. What's the, what's the, what's the best part of Disneyland? Right? What's the best part of Disneyland is, is the rides. What's the worst part? The lines, right? And so from a seven or eight year old or nine or 10 year old's perspective, standing in line, when you're coming to do something that's supposed to be fun for them, standing in line and then having to do something straight up and down that they can't, they just have to follow it and do it for who knows long, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, hopefully not 30 minutes, 40 no. minutes. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. And what, what decisions are they making, right? And maybe at the older ages, there's maybe some room to add in some sort of what we talk as habit practice and you're working on a specific skating skill in, in a certain way or in a station or something like that. But 
But at the eight and under level, you know, they're not making any decisions and they're not having. So fun. that's those, those the other big things you mentioned there. Though was was the decision making yeah. and the compete level, right? Yeah. So also, so people they may think like playing free stake is not just because oh let's just let's just let them have fun, but we're not getting anything. Yeah. It's actually a very this is one example of a game or a drill that people may look at from the outside and think that it's just maybe fun games or screwing around, but it's actually a very deep coaching, very deep playing, very important uh, importance emphasis on, because number one, you said it's fun. So, so what happens when something's fun? You try harder, yeah. right? Versus are you gonna give your all out, skating up and down on the line 20 minutes into it? Well, you're, you're not that, that engaged, right? no. but you're trying to beat your buddy in freeze tag, sure. they're going harder. So you know what, they're falling more, they're taking more risks because they're trying to get away. They're actually going on their edge, you know, harder than they might have in a schedule yeah. out of their comfort zone because they're trying to win the game. And they're falling. so it looks ugly a lot of times, and their kids are bumping into each other. They're making decisions. It's theirs now. It's not someone else following some script. They have to, you know, try to get away, and they can try different things, pivot or turn backwards with these things to try to make that happen. And it's, it becomes their thing. And so they're making decisions, and they're competing hard, and they're pushing themselves out of their comfort zone, and they don't know it because they're having fun. Yeah, and that's the case, right? And we, we, we like freeze tag so much, we've added into kind of our transition where we, when we're, when we're ready to move on to a station, uh, from one station to the next, we'll blow a whistle, and you know every, every, every third uh, or second week, we'll have a, a freeze tag game or a puck pirate game, what we can talk about next is that they don't do a minute or two of freeze tag. And it's all out hard as they can go, um, chaotic it may look, right? And yeah. it is, yeah. but that's the purpose of hockey, right? They're, hockey... And there's a lot of science behind this and, and watching the game is there's really no two plays that are exactly alike. There's obviously similar patterns and recognition and similar plays happen all the time, but nothing's ever the same. It's not a static sport. It's a game of transition, um, great offense, defense, defense, offense. And that's why get tr drills that uh, replicate chaos and stuff is, is actually uh, even better because then when they get to the game, it's actually almost slower, right? It's less going on. Uh, and that's why and, and it just ties in all those keys that helps develop it to be a real a real bang for your buck kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. we're shrinking the space, we're increasing the pace, we're increasing the challenges and obstacles, and we're making it fun and we're competing. So exactly so that that can translate to a game. That's what it looks like in the game, so it can translate to yeah. the game and it be even more challenging in certain periods of, of a, in, a, in a game. Right. So let's go, let's go to Puck Pirates next, sure. but then I want to go... Because that's another drill we can use. We can use it even, I use it at the high school levels and yeah. things like that, but, you, but it's another great one for the youth levels to get the repetitions and the, and the touches. And then let's maybe, from there, let's go to one a little bit of an older, maybe some smaller game things that look yeah. a little bit different as well, sure. and related to some of the older age groups as well. Sure, so yeah, Puck Pirates is the one that's, uh, it's been around for a while in, in different ways and maybe different titles, and even at the highest levels, uh, they do some sort of version of a puck protection game or battle royal in the circle or something. This is this is not from uh, you know six year old hockey. This is from actually elite hockey. Yeah. And then bringing it down, renaming it, repackaging it so it's age appropriate. Right. And I don't know if everyone knows the history of the puck fire, you know that game, but that's that's where it came from um, years and years ago from a, a university um, hockey. So yeah. explain the drill. Yeah, sure. Puck fires is very simple. Um, if we're in a, a smaller area station, whether it's a quarter of the ice or maybe a third of the ice. Uh, everyone has a puck and then the coach or he'll designate one or two guys to be the pirate So everyone on the whistles um, All the players will skate around stick handling protecting the puck and coach designates a couple guys to be the pirates And all the all the pirates are trying to do steal the puck 
and put it in the net or score on the score. goalie. Yeah. And then if you lose your puck and get scored, you know, lose your puck and it goes in the goal, now you join the Pirates and you help them. And the goal of the game uh, for the guys with the pucks is to be the last guy with this puck. So it could end up, say you have nine guys in a stage, it could end up being eight against one, right? When you have the last guy and you're kind of the winner. So it, it teaches a lot of things. First of all, you get a, right away, you get a ton of puck touches, Everyone's right? Got a puck on Activity, side. skating, puck handling, heads up, hockey sense. These All these things you're developing right away. So you're hitting tons of those. You're skate, skating, thinking, competing, puck skills. That's in all four keys, right? So that's a real great one. And, and the guys that are the pirates, they're pursuing, they're working on stick on puck, they're angling, they're battling, uh, puck protection, the other guys. And then when there's more pirates, they become start working together. And then there's more pirates than there's guys with pucks, so it starts to be a team game as well. Yeah. And there's versions and progressions where you can do, um, you can add partner partners, partners where you do passing, forwards, passes, back and pass as they get higher levels. Uh, so it's 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 a simple thing, but it's a really it's like just like freeze tag. There's more depth and width to it than we when we really we haven't really talked about it really yeah. that we even know about. And there's some of the things that I love about it are some of the, the habits that people again we don't maybe even realize. We're playing puck parts, it's not just a warm up fun drill. Yeah. So it's very important. It's fun. It's so. fun. It's fun and it's a great warm because it yeah. gets everyone to puck quick, it's yeah. get everyone moving, but you gotta have your heads up yeah. because you're everyone could go everywhere. You gotta make decisions and things and things like that. So you so you don't bump into someone and lose your puck. If the pirate knocks the puck away from someone, it's not just enough to knock the puck away. Yeah. You have to collect the puck, yeah. you have to beat that guy and score. You have to yeah. finish and maybe yeah. beat a goalie to score. That guy who gets his puck stolen is not just out. Yeah. They can go get the puck back, chase the guy from behind, lift a stick, steal the puck back, and still stay in the game. And then even when the puck does get scored, now they go instantly from the offensive role to a defensive role. Now they're pursuing, they're pursuing the puck carriers, and they're maybe working with the other guys to... This guy's gonna force him into an area, and I'm gonna. He's gonna take the body. I'm gonna take the puck, and then we're gonna. We have to score together to beat that guy. So it's constant transition, offense, defense, working to get the puck back, not quitting until you get it back. The game sets up all the right, the right habits. Right, and, and great. Those two are great examples of for the younger ages, and even the older ages, they can do versions of those and progressions of those, right? And within those two drills, if you run them for the first five, ten, or twelve, fourteen minutes, you can get more development in those two drills than you can in one game. Yeah. And within 10 minutes, which is, which is, if you take a step back and think about that, yeah. uh, you can track it, you can do the research on it, you'll see that there's way more skating, there's way more puck touches, there's way more battles, there's way more decisions, yeah. there's all these things that are happening, uh, definitely, you know, on a full ice game when you're playing 5-5, five and five, and then obviously when you're not on the ice and you're sitting on the bench uh, for, you're waiting for your shift, you're not, getting it, you're not getting better, right? Yeah. So, those things are really critical, and you can see how, if you continue to do drills that have those components and they're age appropriate, they can really add up and see that, that the activity and the puck touches can really speed up the development. So compare that with maybe, let's say a coach, and I've been one of them in the past, sure. who doesn't have an understanding of the age of the windows of trainability. So you have a, a, a kid in a program who's doing that, what we just talked about. And then you have a coach, let's say me back in the day, that yeah. wants to work on our uh, conditioning for our eight and under team or ten and under team because we seem like we're getting tired in the games and so we're going to skate up and down the ice long long skating uh, me not knowing that actually um, those kids don't have the energy capacities yep. to, to to build stamina yeah and that actually speed short distance speed speed one short distance speed and acceleration are what they can be developing right now but i don't know that because i'm just doing maybe what yep. my college coach did and those kids are either i'm either doing damage because i could be maybe you know if i'm pushing them too hard i could be yep. hurting them 
Um, or number two is I'm push, I'm working on something that cannot be improved no matter how much I try to force them to do it. And, and they're missing out on what can be developed. So the difference yeah. of those two players in those two situations over time is just dramatic. And that's it. You hit on all those three key points, right? The, the, the big one is they're going to be missing out on such valuable time on the ice. Once again, right? We only get X amount of hours per week with the kids on the ice. And uh, you know, kids can find other ice time and stuff, drop-ins and stuff. But there's just there's still a limit. It's a limited resource, right? And it's you cannot recreate what's happening on the ice, right? You can do some stuff at home, specific puck handling, stick handling, stuff like that. Um, but what's happening on the ice is very hard to recreate. So that hockey sense and those actual puck skills on the ice are, are, are you can't you can't create them anywhere else. So that's why it's really critical that once you you know you get on the ice, there's that intentional plan and it's making sure it's following the windows of training ability for their age group because like I said if, you, if we don't do those we're gonna miss they're gonna miss out and you may not see it in the first you know three four five six seven eight months but over time yeah multiply that out the proper development three four five six seven years you're gonna see a different hockey player and I think that's at the end of the day uh, at the highest levels that's what USA was hockey was seeing at the highest levels was there was a real um, deficiency in the players. And that's why all of a sudden that kid that was seven that, that wasn't a strong player, that yeah. was on the B team, it wasn't even the top yeah. player on the B team and no one gave any attention. Yeah. All of a sudden at 15, what happened to this kid? Well, it's not something they did yesterday or last week or last month or last year. It's that overtime, doing the right things, putting the work in kids, kids out there. We talk about if you have big goals and dreams, don't miss practice. Yeah. You know, the kids that go to two practices a week compared to the kids that go to three practices a week. Every year, the, you know these rep these repetitions and things they add up. They add up. And and, and a great example uh, of and some of the things we're gonna get to next to the smaller games is Austin Matthews. Uh, so there's he's one of the you know top young American players um, coming out of Phoenix originally yeah. playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what he did as a young guy worked on his skating, but he was at the rink all the time and he was always playing three on three yeah. small area games. So tiny areas where he got to touch the puck a lot. And play and skate. And they didn't have a lot of money. No. Nope. And his mom helped out, I think, at yep. the rink to work yep. at the rink. So because yep. he loved hockey to get him the ice time. Yep. And he played in these three and threes. Yep. And he was always told that he should be part of these uh, elite travel these teams. elite travel teams and stuff. Or he was going to fall behind because he yep. was going to learn his position and yep. offsides and all this stuff, right? Yeah. But they kept playing the the three on three and the small area stuff yep. and getting those repetitions and and this and and skill the skill sets he developed was critical, right? It wasn't the the systems and the power play and all those stuffs that they're they're we're putting on younger kids nowadays. Younger and younger, it seems like it was the it was the skill skits that were important. And then as he developed physically, yeah. uh, you know, then he went to the U.S. Uh, national development team, and obviously he's one of the top players in the National Hockey League. And it just shows you that uh, the kids that do the right things at the right ages, it's 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 not a it's not a sprint. It's yeah, marathon, it's a marathon, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's all these light developers because of, you know, just take your time, buy your time and doing the right thing, sticking to the process of, of player development. And nowadays with all the research and the science and all the stuff people are putting out, USA Hockey's putting out, um, you know, you really can develop the right way and, yeah. and, and guide people into the right direction and give them the best chance to reach their genetic potential. potential. And that, may, that like we talked before, that may not be the National Hockey League. Right, but that they're going to have that hockey for life and that passion, and pass it on to the next person, and that's what it's really all about. When we talk about the with the Declaration of Principles of the National Hockey League, right? If we can make an impact on a child for the life, 
and give them the game and do it the right way. It's it's really impactful. Absolutely. And okay, so we're geez, we could talk for hours, but it's already about thirty minutes, which is usually what we want our time to show. Before we leave off, so we talked about two great drills and, and, and games we can do at the youth level, at the youngest levels, eight and ten. And we can use some of those at the older levels too. Yep. But let's give an example, maybe of something that's used at some of the older age groups uh, through a smaller game that again may look not like sure. what we expect from a game in a practice situation. So, so a, a great one is uh, is we use a lot. It's called the odd man rush game, and this can be used at all ages, and it really covers a lot. It almost covers everything in hockey. Odd man rush game. Odd man rush game. So you can do it either. You can do it cross ice. You can do it half ice. You can do it three quarter ice. There's all different versions and, and looks you can give for different pattern pattern recognition. Recognition. It. Um, very simple. What it is, it's uh, two on two in the middle, mm -hmm. and then you have your player behind your own defensive net, another player behind the defensive net. So all you're trying to do with the two on two is try to get the puck, regroup with your player behind the net, and attack three on two. Um, so it works on transition, it works on three on two rushes, it works on breakouts, right? Because you gotta get the puck back, you gotta support the puck, get it open to him, move it to him, uh, and you're working on offense, filling the lanes, and it's covering all, it's covering offensive zone, defensive zone, forechecking, breakouts, all these yeah. things without really knowing it. And then the beauty of it is you can add other players in there, you can make it four and two, now you know you start talking about working on power play, shorthand situations. So it's just one example, and maybe next time we'll have a board and we can draw it up yeah. so people can visualize it. It's easier for me to visualize things. Um, but that's just one example of, okay, we could just play five on five, which is not bad, right? There's times when, especially at the older ages, they need to play five on five when there's some teaching being, being done there. Uh, great at the older ages too, if you can play five on five at both ends, if you're working on defensive zone. Uh, but there's also room to, to get or replicate more and hit more skill sets, right? And to, and to hit those um, activity and puck touches more is to do some of those uh, smaller games with the Augman Rush games and certain games like that that can really hit on all those topics and quicker and really pack it into one drill. Great example of one that, so for example, let's say you're doing that with PUAA, you coach yeah. a PUAA team, yeah. or we do it with, or if I do it with a, with a high school team, someone might just look at that and say, oh, they're playing three and three cross yeah. ice. Yeah. Must be the end of practice. We <laughs> must just be having some fun yeah. playing three and three cross ice. Yeah. But what we're doing in that situation, like so two on two, think pitcher two on two, player behind the net, you get the puck, you have to regroup behind yeah. your net, so we're working on a breakout yeah. to space. We could add in there, hey, you have to do a D to D. Yeah. Hey, you have to do a reverse. Hey, yeah. you have to do a wheel. So we could work on the actual specific breakout. Yeah. We could force them to make a pass before the halfway point. We could force them to make a pass to the wall. We could do different things on the breakout. Then they're on a three on two rush. We can talk about attacking on offense. We can talk to them about someone driving the net, someone pulling out high, having a dot wide guy, driving wide, taking the D. We can, yeah. On that, we can take defending the three on two, yeah. right? We can, <laughs> all these things within that, that we, we can focus on one of those even at a, a given time. It could be different every single yeah. week. That we can be t teaching and coaching all those things that maybe, parent, maybe someone doesn't realize. We're working on the breakout, yeah. working on the forecheck, working on the offensive zone rush. So uh, I, fun for us to get a chance to talk through this stuff. And we're going to work on better ways to communicate this so that uh, those of you that, that are interested in the curriculum, that want to dive into it and really understand what's being said on the ice and what's being taught within those drills in smaller age games so we understand um, how deep this goes and how much has gone into this and how much we want to get out of it for the kids and why we do it. Um, love to hear your suggestions, feedback, comments, questions. Um, as always, please... Uh, like I said, whether you're watching live or via the replay, type in those comments and questions. Give us a thumbs up or a hi, how you doing, to let us know you're watching. Share the episode. 
Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, Paul, anything that I missed before we get into next week? Well, next we'll be excited to talk a little bit more about this and get into some of the older age groups and stuff. And, and the, the neat thing with the curriculum and talking hockey and talking drills is it's always evolving, right? Yeah. The game has changed, and that's why you know the American Development Model was launched, and that's why we're continuing to innovate and look to improve what we're doing every day. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, Paul. And thanks, everyone, for watching. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Yes.